welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher. With me tonight is Morgana. And we're welcoming Steve Berg. He's an actor, a comedian, and he is a big paranormal enthusiast. And welcome. Thank you for having me. It is quite the honor. I'm a giant fan, as I was uh, gushing earlier to you guys. <laughs> I know. You made us blush. Oh, well, this is such an honor. I've been looking forward to this since you asked me. Well, good. I'm glad. So how did you get to be such a big paranormal uh, aficionado? Well, my mom will tell me this story, you know, told me this story in like, um, when I was five, she took me to get my first library card and she was like, go check out whatever you want, you know? And so I don't really, really remember what section I was in, but I came back with a Billy Meyer picture book <laughs> <laughs> and a book about doing magic tricks, you know? And so, I mean, since then, I don't ever remember a time not having been really obsessed with this stuff, like reading books about it. And uh, my mom was a school teacher, so she like really fostered reading. And she's like, I will buy you as many books as you want, I, as long as you're reading. So, you know, she would take me to, this, to the bookstore. I'd be this eight or nine-year-old kid going to the New Age or occult section. That's what it was back in the 80s. And, you know, I think other parents are like, oh, man, who's this mother, you know? <laughs> but she would, you know, she would let me, you know, buy, you know, books about, like, Loch Ness or Bigfoot or, you know, some, like, old Bread Steiger books. And I would just devour them. And, like, you know, I, I it's weird. It's one of those things. Like, I did not have an experience when I was a kid that I recall. But I kind of think I didn't grow up with any kind of religion. And I think maybe because I didn't, I was searching for something more, you know, more than, you know, the earthly right. realm. And I think that's the paranormal. It's not that it's religion for me, but it's kind of my spiritual lens, I suppose. <laughs> I get that. Also, yeah. you have an awesome mom for oh, just being like yeah. all the books. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was and great. libraries strike again. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> that's Big right. time. Big time. Well, I, I kind of, I actually like was having this conversation with a friend. I was saying, I think like if you're really into this, these subjects, like, you become a voracious reader by default. Yeah. Because especially like in the 80s, 90s, and the early 2000s, kind of before the internet boom, if you wanted this information, like you had to read books. Yes. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. The TV yeah. shows was such a kind of basic, they gave you basic stuff. But even, I even feel that way today. Like the internet, while it has a lot of stuff, I need to read books all the time to get the real gist of what's happening. You know? Yes. So, it's where they keep the meat and the gristle and like sure. all the weird squiggly bits. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I mean you, you can hear an interview with Josh Cutchin and think you understood what his book's about, but read the book and then you're like, oh my Lord, he was just skimming the service on that interview. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And not just because he can't write small books. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's you, not Josh. great at writing Sorry. small books. <laughs> well, I, but I hang on his pages and his words. His, I'm a huge fan. Of his buddy oh, I, I love his. I love his work. Oh, he's so great. He's yeah, so great. yeah, and and he's he's a wordsmith, and mm -hmm. he he's nervous about what he writes because I I helped him by editing his last book. Um. So I've read it three times already. Yeah. Um, and well, and well done. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Um, he was so nervous as he wrote it. And he was, he wanted it to sound good. And 
the very first chapter I was reading it, I'm like, this doesn't sound like Josh. This sounds like, I don't know what it sounds like. Yeah. And it's when he was talking about near-death experiences because he didn't know a lot about it, so he had to learn about it to write it. Yep. And I finally said, Josh, I know you're writing about serious stuff, but you got to use your voice. You yep. cannot... You've already written like four books. People know what you sound like. They've heard you on podcasts. They know how you think. You need to let that out. And I know it's serious. And I was like, I know it's serious, but you're you're good. You're it's gonna turn into like the trickster and the paranormal real fast. I love George Hansen. Yep. Good man. Great book. I ain't reading it again. No, that was <laughs> I, I read that one time, and it was a bit of a chore. Very happy I read and I got a lot out of it, but yeah, oof, it yeah, good. I was like, you don't want to turn it on. You're not turning into Hanson on my watch, damn it! <laughs> You're just not. Well, he, and he should be, be I mean, yourself, I, yeah. and well, he, he did, and then he was. It was great. Yeah, I mean, he he's he's just even just like you know being fortunate enough to like talk with him and have like a, some in person conversation with him. He's such a wonderful conversationalist mm -hmm. yes you know and he really is he's such a great listener and you can to me like that shows up in his writing which is really like impressive to me you know like yes you know and i, I kind of felt you know going back to keel like i felt while keel maybe wasn't like you know this like scholarly academic writer i love his writing style you know it was personal oh, you know yeah yeah well he's yeah, a he, he was really great it, I agree. Being and, himself. Yeah. And that's how he wrote. He wrote to be understood. Yep. Yep. Which is which is hard. <laughs> like yeah. it is mm -hmm. like I, you know, yeah. like the economy of words is like really uh like a very like important skill to have, and not many have it. Even great authors, some there's some who don't have that. Oh yeah. I, I agree with you. And Keel, I think because he started young as a journalist in the old way of going to a newspaper and saying, I want to, I want to be a reporter and they give you the trash to mm -hmm. do, you know, write some yep. obituaries for us. This is how you write. It. They don't even tell you how to write it. It's like, yeah. read an obituary. That's how you write it. There you go. Or write us some of those. And, and right. then eventually there's a point on a news day where there's three fires, a bank robbery, a murder, and somebody's cat is up a tree and all of the reporters are gone and the editor is sitting there and somebody runs in and says, the mayor just fell down the stairs and broke his head. And they'll look at you and go, go out there and get the story. And, <laughs> and then you go. That yeah. was the old way. You know, the, nobody went to college for that. You, right. just, you just walked in and did it. And that taught him a great deal. He learned how to talk with people. He learned how to listen to people. Yep. Which is the most important thing a reporter yep. can do yep. is listen well and then ask the follow-up questions. Right. And, and you know, like his style is such a lost art kind of. Um, I think there's probably people doing it that I don't, I'm unaware of. But to me, what we can really learn about the phenomenon is the reaction and how it affects people. And that's what he specialized in. And really, when it's all said and done, that's kind of what Jacques Vallée does. I mean, even though he's really into the hard science, mm -hmm. testing materials, co-letting files, doing all that wonderful, important work, He's still the guy that will visit somebody he meets with, the contactee, for instance, over the course of 40 years. He'll keep yeah. on going back and talking to him because he's like, he gleans more stuff out of it. And to me, like, 
while people were waiting around for a UFO disclosure that will never happen, I'm going to be trying to do that stuff, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that disclosure thing. I'm like, y'all, you don't, you don't trust the government already. Why are you going to trust them on this? I don't know. It will, it will never happen. It just won't. Not to be like cynical, but like, I think the sooner people realize that it's like, move on. There's plenty of other fun uh, facets of this phenomenon to dissect. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, chasing also, after something that's unlikely is just dead. Yeah. I, I Sorry, I, I totally derailed your, your thing. No. So, so that is how I got into the paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> this whole show is about tangents and derailments. And I think if we stuck on one topic 100% of the time for a whole episode, people would freak out. They yeah, would be like, like the pod on? people have come and have taken Barbara and Morgana away. <laughs> this isn't. <laughs> and we have we have replicants in the in the building, and mm -hmm. that's yep. It's, it's not really them. <laughs> oh, okay. So we've established. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just still thrilled no. that all this started uh -huh. in a library. I have a yeah. personal vested interest in libraries. Yeah, at no, this it, point. it did. It did. It did. Um, I mean, I can talk a little bit more about that. Like, you know, I guess I, I could add that, like, I, um, from a young age, started going to UFO conferences, too. Like, when I was, like, oh, nine, cool. I went, I would go, there was a local college here, University of Nebraska, Omaha, and my dad taught, taught there, and so there was this one professor named Dr. Jack Kasher, who in the 80s and 90s was, like, the MUFON, I think, chapter head, and he was kind of on the national scene for a hot minute, but he would do these lectures, like, four times a year and I would get out of school for like an independent study or whatever. And I'd write about it. And so, That's I mean, like, cool. and then I became more addicted because like you would have abductees there and I'd be like, what? You know? And, like, <laughs> then I go to like, you know, my mom was nice enough. She'd drive me to like Lincoln or Kansas city to go to like a big kind of like move or, you know, move on convention where Stan Freeman would be there. But like, that was like, that was Disneyland to me. And I kind of did it in, <laughs> Like, it was always a secret because my friends were like, what are you doing? This is not something I, it was a very, like, I was like a very lonely kid with this, this interest. I didn't know anyone else who cared. Aww. I didn't really tell people because I was like, they'll think I'm crazy and I don't want to be the weird kid, even though I probably already was. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, I, I think like a lot of people, like, that's kind of the wonderful thing about, like, these virtual communities that have formed is that you do have other people who can talk about this in a niche way. You know, like when I heard your guys' podcast, it, it does feel like I'm eaves I'm eavesdropping on a conversation that I would love to be having. And now we're gonna have it. So you know <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, you know, about kids worrying about you being the weird kid, you know, they can smell it on you. Yeah. They know. They, they do know. And they and it doesn't matter. Yeah. I was lucky I had one friend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and we wanted to go to Duke University to work at the J.B. Ryan Center, and we wanted to become parapsychologists. And you know, right after we graduated from high school, they closed that crap down, oh, and man. I was so mad. Yeah. <laughs> I was so mad. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, well, I, UCLA had a department at the same time. I mean, there was like major universities that were yeah. had real funding for that stuff I mean, for a little I, bit. I guess the Reagan era happened and everybody's like, go. Nope, Nope. Yep. Mm -mm, Let's nope. roll back evolution. Yes. Yeah. We're not having that. No, no. Yep. <sighs> and then Boy, he really started know, some things. I'm lucky enough to get to take history of uh, yeah, the global occult 
for a class. What? I got to take what? that two semesters ago. Oh, man. It was, it was awesome. Awesome. <laughs> That's incredible. We, uh, Jeff Kripal gave a Zoom talk to our class. No way. It was so cool. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. Now I have to go back to college. <laughs> and I was yeah, scared I to say anything on the Zoom call. Yeah, I mean, I would be too. He's one of those people where I'm like, I'm not really sure I know how to talk to him. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I, he and Valet, I'd just be like, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I, I got uh, to meet Valet once and I had a panic attack, like for real, like my back was covered in sweat. And I was like, I really like forbidden science books. And I was like, no English <laughs> oh, was coming out. And he, was, he could tell I was nervous. He's like, okay, thanks. <laughs> oh, man. He was really nice, though. Yeah, it did not go well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to talk to famous people. Like, it's not easy. I don't know how. Um, yeah, it's not easy. I, wh- I, which is weird because I, I talked to Greg just fine. But to me, that's like more fellow weirdo who's also a famous person. Yes. Instead of just like a straight up, like, this is a famous person who's also a weirdo. Like, I, yeah. if that makes any sense. It does. No, I can totally, I, I sympathize with that big time. Um, I was afraid of Tim Renner for like two episodes. He seems so sweet. He's the nicest (laughs) man and I'm not shy anymore, but I was mortifyingly shy, like mortifyingly shy the first time we talked to him and I don't know why. And it was terrible. And I what? felt like Pippin after he knocks the goblin down the well and Gandalf is like talking to him. And I was just like, I am just a silly hobbit, sir, wizard man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, and, and I agree. Of, of course, you know, I'm the mom. So I told him, I'm like, I, you yes, scare Morgana. Yeah. And, and he was like, why? I'm like, I think it's the dad vibe that you've got like you know when when we talked about morgana broke into the the tuberculosis ward and and you said so how 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 do how as a mother do you feel about that and i was like well i gave her a quarter to call me if she got arrested (laughs) and told her not to get arrested so (laughs) and and, uh it, it you know, I think Morgana was just like, I'm a bad kid. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dad. Don't be disappointed. <laughs> so, so every now and then he would he would, you know, pick on her a little bit to yeah. try and he's like, Is she still scared of me? Nah, not so much. She's 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 better now. I think she's finally figured out that you're like cool. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> You hold these people up in high esteem, you know? I, yeah. I was like, I'm sorry. I, the Bigfoot wizard is speaking. Yeah. I am not worthy. <laughs> oh, man. Like, that is so great. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh. I've, it's been a long day, and I'm a little bit slap happy, everybody. It's That's the Monday right. after a holiday. Monday after a holiday. It's a weird it's day. It's a dreadful day. It is. is. Mondays after holidays should be outlawed, and we should just start the week on Tuesday. Agreed. Agreed. It's too harsh. It's too harsh of an entrance back into the world. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we should have a half And and Mondays just suck anyway. Mondays are terrible. They suck in general. Yeah, Friday is so far away. (sighs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. uh, I'm with you. 
Yeah. Okay, so after going to UFO conferences as a kid, did mm-hmm. some were you accompanied? No. <laughs> no, I they were like Tim I Tim Renner is this. judging your Tim Renner's yeah. judging right yeah, now. He, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry Tim. He's going to be like, "What are you guys doing?" <laughs> well, you know, it was the 80s and the 90s and like back then my mom would like drive me out Yeah. Two slices of cold pizza and a paper bag and be like, all right, I'll pick you up before. You that's know, like, yeah, fair. That, that's yeah. yeah. And, I grew uh, up in the 70s and 80s and, and you could get away with just dropping your kid off with a bunch yeah. of random weird uh, yeah. adults yeah. with blow up aliens and stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, when I remind her of that now, she's like, I can't believe we let you do that. I'm like, well, I was fine. You know, like it was. I, you know, had I been like wandering around getting into trouble, it would have been one thing. But no, I was there to see the speakers and every speaker that I could. And I loved back then when I was a kid, like I believed everything I heard. Oh, yeah. Like when some, yeah. you know, when like, you know, they would truck out like three abductees in a panel, I'd be like, well, I can't believe I'm sitting in front of three people who were on a UFO. <laughs> you know, like, and maybe they were. I'm not saying that they weren't, but like I really didn't have a filter. Like I, anything that came to me, I wanted to believe it so bad that I just decided I would. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I've read Keel too early. So I I, <laughs> yeah. I was I was I was the kid reading some of this stuff going, Are you sure? Yeah. Did it I, really? Is I it wish true? I <laughs> you know, and well, even even when that. even when Leonard Nimoy was on the TV telling me about this, that and the other thing, curly and photography and all that, and I'm like, Is that yeah. really an aura? Is that what that is? Yeah. You know, and, you know, if Leonard Nimoy said it, I mean, he was Spock, and I, I like, adore Spock. So, yeah. you know, I, but it even that, it, Keel was in the back of my head going, belief is the enemy. Belief is the enemy. Belief is the enemy. You know, so I'd I tr- sit there and ask questions. I tried to read, and I can't remember what book it was. I tried to read Keel when I was, like, probably, like, in seventh grade. And I remember not liking it because I was, like, Whoa, you're like really crushing my my, my UFO belief system, and I totally <laughs> yeah. wasn't ready for it, you know. And I remember yeah. the same with ballet. I read one of those books was like boring, you know. Like, but then like once I got into my twenties, it was all about those two, yeah. dudes, you know. Like, really, it was I, I threw everything <laughs> I thought I liked or knew aside. And, yeah, you know, it's part of the process for me. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a process that most people go through unless you read Keel first and then you're screwed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it messes you and, up. And I mean, like, I mean, I, I'm, you know, but even then, like, re, you know, I've read The Eighth Tower like three times, but to me, it's probably the most disturbing book I've ever read in my life. It's creepy. It's if creepy. you think about it. It is. It's like, it makes you feel like very kind of nervous in a good way, in a fun way, but like, it is like, it's heavy. It is a heavy book. Yes, it is very heavy. The way the Eighth Tower, and to an extent the Mothman Prophecies, has always made me feel is the same way I felt when I read The Color Out of Space the first time. Mm. Mm-hmm. And just the line, I felt a hesitance, a, a new hesitation about the deep skyy voids above me, filled with stars. Like, I, that's, like, you don't want to go outside at night. For a minute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be- and like, you don't yep. really want to look up. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Because you're like, what is out there looking back at me? Right. And it's oh, like, yeah. You don't have any choice over it. That was like what Keel instilled, I think. You know, the same sort of concept where it's like, 
your property and there is not a thing you can do about it exactly <laughs> you know, i'm like oh what <laughs> so you might as well have fun and have a yeah. good life so there you go yeah it is kind of freeing <laughs> actually after a little while you know yeah like, once you get over the like existential terror <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like i i kind of almost feel it's it's helpful in a way because um sorry what the heck happened my screen just went weird um but it is helpful in a way because once you kind of realize this phenomenon, we'll, we'll probably never know what it is, like really never know what it is. It's kind of free. Yeah. It frees you up from that. Like, well, if I don't find out, you know, like, I yeah, know. yeah, we're yeah. not going to find out. No, that's, I think it's unknowable. <laughs> and and you know, I love it. I love you know everybody. I try to love everybody. I'm not. I'm you know okay. I don't love everybody, but I try. Um, yeah. But the people who are always going on about it's this, I know what it is and it's this, I always shake my head and go, no, baby, you don't know. Yep. I'm, yep. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you that because it's not my job to make everybody on the internet right. I can't nope. do it, but you're a nice person. That's. Yeah. I'm just going to nod and smile and let you go on exactly mm. and even if like you and that's and that's the thing you know like i think there's like people will discover their own personal truth like you know like a dance yeah. or whatever will have like this encounter with something and they will tell them that you know we're from venus and to them they'll believe that and maybe yeah. you know like for them that is like the actual truth and origin of this stuff but objectively i don't believe that's true <laughs> you know? yeah. So, yeah oh no 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 yeah. i know too much about the surface of venus to be thinking that uh who was it was supposed to be from there aura reigns oh, valiant yeah. thor one of those mm -hmm. valiant thor for <laughs> yes. yeah one of them people one of them people and uh yeah they're supposed to be from there and and i'm sorry i i, I watched cosmos yeah <laughs> and and yeah, you can't be can't be on the the surface of Venus looking like Valiant Thor. No, doesn't work. No, you can't breathe. <laughs> Sorry, dude. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah, physics won't allow it. <laughs> yes, and yes. admittedly, lots of the phenomena ignores the physics, which true. I oh, appreciate. Yeah. Very true. Very true. I just yep. think that there might be one day when we figure out what all this is, but I suspect that happens after we're dead. If there's even yeah. anything after we're dead. Yeah. Because I'm not entirely sure there's something after we're dead or not. Right. And I, I'm kind of okay with that. I find that weirdly comforting that there might be nothing. It Me would be too. restful. It would be it so would, peaceful. It would be. Like, yeah, so there's like a lot of work to do after this. I mean, I'm not so sure. <laughs> like, what do you mean I have to do more stuff for eternity? Like, I understand Buddhism now. Now that, yeah. like, I'm an adult, like, the thought of having to be reincarnated and do all this again? It's exhausting uh. to even think about. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Reincarnation, well, I know, is a hopeful notion for so many. It's never, I've always been like, I don't know. And especially, like, I guess I've had, like, a pretty privileged, fortunate run so far in this life. I'm like, you know, it's probably going to be diminished somehow yeah. <laughs> if I have to do another one. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only way that reincarnation doesn't bother me is I know that time isn't linear. Yeah. So I That's might be true. reborn, I don't know, 3,000 years back. Yep. That could that be true. interesting. Yeah. Or 3,000 years forward. I don't know. I would be happy I don't know. being a dog. Yeah. Yeah. That wouldn't be bad. 
Like, I don't well, want to be me... a person again. I would like to be an animal, please. Or a tree. <laughs> this is kind of a dumb question, and I don't know enough about Buddhism to actually have an answer. But, like, when they speak of reincarnation, you are strictly bound to Earth, right? Or can you be reincarnated, like, in another multiverse or another realm of existence? Like, or, or is it always, like, you come back to planet Earth? I'm pretty sure you are stuck on Earth until you ascend high enough that yes. you can be you a attain Nirvana or you have yep. yeah. And that if you're a Bodhisattva, right. you come back down from Nirvana to help other people obtain Nirvana. Uh, or you can refuse to be reincarnated and lurk around as a hungry ghost. Mm. And that's not we don't we don't endorse that position. Yeah. It's probably not good. <laughs> That's when you turn into a gray and and you do weird stuff and probes and things and yeah. you don't need Maybe. to be doing that. You get real inappropriate <laughs> and you become a gray alien. Yeah. 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 Violations. Not nice people. No. Don't like them. <laughs> no. Never heard anything good about them. No. 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 There are people who say that they're nice and good and and again, I'm not here to make they everybody may be on nice the internet to right. them. Yeah. Like, but, this is such an individualistic phenomena, like, not an individualistic phenomena, but a phenomena that is shaped on an individual level by individual mm -hmm. experiences. Mm -hmm. I agree. And there's patterns that are formed through all those individual experiences, but it really is up to your you know, brain, what it's doing to what person, in what way, and what conversation your consciousness is having with the phenomena, I think. Everything that I say about the paranormal has a comma, I think, behind yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm the same way. Like it, it, at, at this stage, my mind is sh like having radical changes every year. Yeah. In, yeah. in terms of how I see this stuff, which is fun. I think it's great. That's what keeps it so exciting for me. Is like I'll never be decided. I will be a fence sitter on the meaning or what the interpretations uh, or what I think this you know stuff really is it, it'll change until i'm you know on my deathbed i'm sure <laughs> you know like, i hope so yeah i, I hope, hope it, so too yeah, because if it doesn't well then it's gotten boring hasn't it i think so too yeah i mean like and, and that's one of the things is like there are people who have been into this stuff for a long time who like I, i've talked to i'm not going to mention any names but I was, having, I was talking to somebody who's like in this field and he's like, I'm so bored by this stuff. He's like, well, you, how are you still so excited about it? You know? Cause he's like, ah, I want to get into like true crime. So like whatever, at least I know that's real, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm like, really? It's boring to you. Like it's, it, it, I just, it almost, my interest actually grows constantly. Like, yeah, I, I, I there's no stopping. Like, you know, like for yeah. me at least, you know, cause it's like, you know, when I think I've like heard all these interesting ideas, then I find a show like yours. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, it's a whole new approach or just a new way of talking about it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I, I like, I find your show very original. You guys have a very original way of getting people to talk differently than they normally do in other podcasts. <laughs> I don't think you're not aware of yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You provide a nice comfort level. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's yeah. We we really honestly, it's it's because for I don't know twenty something years we've been having conversations in the living room, yeah, with our group of friends, and so I didn't know how to do it any other way than <laughs> to just act like that on a podcast, right? And so 
it's not much different. And in fact, this week's episode uh, is going to be one of our friends and, you know, talking like we're in the living room. That's Hopefully great. it works. We'll see. Well, well, yeah, I mean, I like a lot of art that fly on the wall. You know, I love documentaries about like real documentaries. Not, oh, yeah. Not ones that are like crafted documentary narratives. I mean, those are fun too, but like ones where you're like, I mean, I don't know if you saw the Beatles documentary about them making. Oh, yeah. Uh, you really felt like you were watching something that you were not supposed to be. You yeah. Know, I, I felt like I was a kid in the corner watching something I shouldn't be watching. You know, like, <laughs> or yeah. like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, they don't know I'm in this room and they're having this conversation. Like, that's what I feel like good, like, you know, podcasting, radio show, film, even art, you know, like there's paintings where you feel like you're in the painting. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in this world, but I don't belong here. Whoops. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's fun for me. I like that. It's like, absorbing. yeah, 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 um, yeah, Bosch. I hope I'm not in that painting. It's creepy. <laughs> On the other hand, I really love that painting. <laughs> I do too. I love all of his stuff. Uh, Years ago, Fox, after I started the podcast, Fox was like, you should do a YouTube thing. And I'm like, oh, no. No. I don't want to be seen on video. I, I don't. I, I don't I don't like that. Yeah. And and he, and I was like, besides, what am I gonna talk about? The same stuff I talk about on the podcast. Why? We don't need to do it. You should do art, mom. Because Ooh. every time you show me new art and you describe it and we talk about it, you're so funny. Oh. And, and, and he 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 you know, he pulled up Hieronymus Bosch. She's, he was like, Remember when you showed me this and I <laughs> asked you, Mom, why is there a man with a bird coming out of his butt? <laughs> <laughs> And you just explained it to me. <laughs> I said, All right, maybe that would be fun. I don't yeah. know. Okay, you're you're making sense now, kid. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I I love Hieronymus Bosch, and now Fox does too. So. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> because you explain why you there's did. a bird coming out of a man's ass. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. fun. Which you is know, an important thing that all children need to learn at a certain point before they have their first art history class or they're going to be very puzzled and embarrassed as 19 year olds when they're asking that question yep yep yeah because the, they're going to have that question and they're going to be afraid to ask the, the professor because yeah. you don't want to sound stupid in front of an art history no you know no masters of art or phd person you don't want to be the douche that asks that no, you want to ask the cool question. So get over that shock early, art kids. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Go look at Hieronymus Bosch yeah. now. And ask, well, maybe not ask your mom, but, you know, ask some somebody cool on the internet. Yep. I feel You'll like that's a it. good test of momhood. You know, mom, well, will yeah. you drive me to the UFO con and leave me there with some pizza? And mom, will you tell me why there's a bird coming out of a man's butt? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think so too. I'm not a parent, but that's how I would do it. <laughs> well, you, you know, you never know what you're going to get asked when you're a parent, anyway. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, this so. is not the time for you to try and think of some crazy shit that I asked you. Do not do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Okay, I thought I could do sense. It. I could sense nope. the twinkle nope. starting in the nope. eyes. Nope. 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 <laughs> I wasn't gonna do it. I wasn't. I didn't even think it. I was good. Wasn't gonna do it. Uh huh. Um, but what I did do. Okay. And Fox, by the way, is very excited that I'm talking with you because oh, no. 
The child loves drunk history. Oh. <laughs> the child cool. adores drunk <clears throat> history, in large part because you, Morgana, yes. introduced him to yes. it. So This was my fault. So, yeah, when Mor- the last time Morgana was still living in the house with us, she'd come home from work, and being a, a line cook, she would be awake late and would need a little bit of wine to chill out because... Yep. And so, Food service man. She and I would drink wine, eat cheese, and the kid would come sneaking down the stairs, and we'd just finally let it, let him stay up a little yeah. bit. And uh, the three of us would watch TV, and Morgana was of the opinion that drunk history was fine because yeah. what would happen is that it would be drunk history, and it would be the the audience participation version. <laughs> The yes. home ver- uh, you know, drunk history, the home version. Actually, drunk history, the home version was every Thanksgiving when we explained why it was a shitty holiday. <laughs> <And laughs> that we sh- we shouldn't even celebrate it in the first place. So the kid Agreed. knows all of that now. Yeah. <laughs> While we're eating turkey, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so when he when he found out that you had been on tr- drunk history. He he was just like, oh, that's awesome! So we rewatched, we rewatched the Roswell episode last night. Oh wow, night. yes! <laughs> and nice. and I I saw on Facebook that she said it was one of the most annoying UFO uh, events, sightings, happenings ever. I do, and, I do. And yeah, that's an unpopular opinion, but I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's it, the, the the thing about Roswell is like, if they just would have like you know given it like the average UFO case treatment, I don't think I'd have any kind of problem with it. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, you should document this. There, you know, there's validity to documenting the case. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. But the amount of attention that's even still today is being put on it. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know for a fact, but I bet there's a new Roswell book that's come out every year since Stan Freeman released the Crash at Corona or wherever that or was. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. that might have been. Um, I can't remember if that was his time. That, his time was maybe it's the incident at Roswell. Um, I think it is. I William, think that one um, is his. William Moore wrote one too. I can't remember whose came out first. They were kind of competing, I think. But I mean, if you think about it, just more trees have been killed printing paper of Roswell books that I <laughs> that, is, that is deserved, in my opinion. You know, like if you think about it like that, it's like I feel like sure, Stanton wrote a book, William Moore wrote a book, maybe Kevin Randall wrote one to sum it up in modern times. That is enough. Like you know, like, can we stop now? No, can we stop? We cannot now? stop. I, I don't know what more we can learn. It's you know, I, I'm not against looking into cold cases. I think you can glean interesting stuff from you know cases long ago for sure oh yeah but roswell there's just no there there anymore you know like i don't yeah. know what we can do it i mean and, i mean i don't begrudge the town of roswell having a an alien mascot no i don't either fan fiction things and yep. stuff and yep. and a festival and all that because uh it's a little tiny town yeah and they need to survive and yes. it's a cool story yeah I love but it's those it's a story it is a story it is a story yeah and it's no more the thing is i think it's the amount of importance placed on it has always just kind of rubbed me the wrong way I, you know, I can think of 
a dozen cases, probably way more. I mean, all three of us could. Yeah. Way more compelling, way more interesting, actually affected witnesses that we can talk to, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you, you yeah. know, we, we all we, you know, we have like what Mac Brazel or whatever, like, probably that's like, that was like the farmer. Guy, but like, I mean, like those guys were gone uh, a long time ago. Was it? Jesse Mac Brazel was the farmer. And then the guy who Marcel, yeah. Jesse Marcel, right? Yeah. Marcel, that's I right. I think that's his name. Oh, yeah, I, I wish that I didn't Jesse know Marcel. That, but. <laughs> but like, that's the know. one. Yeah, you forgot because you were drunk when you were last talking. About it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I haven't <laughs> thought about it since then. And it was Which... funny because I mean, like, I remember like I had uh, I had done a you know I think a drunk you know been involved in drunk history since like the pilot even before when it was like a video thing because Derek Waters who created the show is like a really great friend of mine. And I'd always ask, like, let me do, like, something paranormal or 40. And he's like, well, you know, there's never really an answer to a concrete historical answer. I'm like, touche. Fair enough. You're right. Okay, <laughs> yeah. All right. Fine. Yeah, but when they were doing, like, a New Mexico episode, I was like, dude. And he was like, do you want to do Roswell? I was like, oh, God, of course you're going to ask me to do Roswell. And I'm like, of course. Let's do it. I'll, I'm going to say it's Project Mogul because that's what I think it probably most likely is. Yeah. You know, like, I, I agree. I'm something. right there. So, but that was my first taste of like UFO, like vitriol because mm. I can't remember. It was posted on, on a Comedy Central website where there was like comments, Ooh. and there were so many people, like tons of people saying like, "This guy is an absolute idiot." If you think, <laughs> I mean, people were so oh, mad. No, they weren't. They did not take it lightly. That was, first of all, I was joking. I was drunk. You know, was like, I know, Comedy right? Central That's people. the whole point. Of the show, right? Yeah. Did you not see like a fortune oh. famester talking about Pope? And yes. <laughs> I mean, come on. Right? It's like, come on. People were so And she was mad. great in that episode too. Oh, she's awesome. She's she's such a and she's a great person. And but I just thought it was so funny. I was like, oh my gosh, people are so serious about Roswell. I like really offended people. I yeah. yeah. I mean I remember when um and, and it was Crash at Corona is Stanton's yes. book. Okay, yes. And I remember when it came out and I was just like, oh man, no, no, yeah. dude, no. And the Majestic 12. And I'm like, no, stop yeah. it. No, no yeah. people. No. Yeah. You know, and they talk about the material, how it was this thin metal and you bend it and it would pop back. The it's mylar. Yeah. It's, it's mylar, y'all. Yeah. We, we, we make balloons out of it now, but back then they made like balloons for other purposes yeah. and it that's probably what it was in the in the picture that they're posing for that famous picture from the newspaper they're po posing by the the wreckage i guess if you believe that was the real wreckage you know but it looks like it, it's there's wood and like mylar mylar Yep. Material. Yep. And I'm like, well, there yep. it is, people. <laughs> it kind of, you know, is what they're Do you really is. think that came from another planet, y'all? Yeah. I mean, I mean you know. it, it, should it be sturdier? Yeah. I mean, really. <laughs> okay. I mean, okay. Been, no, I'm going to call bullshit. I'm going to call bullshit on the sturdy thing because I have seen the first lunar lander. Well, I've, I've seen I'm it with my own eyes, and that shit was made out of duct tape and astronaut blankets <laughs> and yeah, a calculator. It was made out of mylar but and duct tape. It was made out of duct tape. I saw the duct tape. But they didn't <laughs> fly that thing. They just they they flew that once they got to the moon's orbit, and then they, okay, you know, that's fair. So they, they just sort they of used a rocket to out. get there. So even I mean that thing. Well, maybe got, got maybe them, the space know? people had a rocket. I don't. 
believe no. that's what's happening, but I'm just saying, just because it looks flimsy as all hell doesn't mean it can't have been dropped and, on a planet. And, and, and you are not wrong, because, I mean, like, part of the, you know, interesting idea, like, and I think maybe Ballet said this first, but, like, he, you know, you know, like, when they find, like, metamaterials or whatever, and, like, they're, you know, Earth-based, you know, compounds, and he was like, well, maybe they, like, 3D print instantly right. a craft. You know, like, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, fair enough. Maybe that could, be, but... that could be cool. It also reminds yeah. me of fairy gold. Yes. Oh, like, yeah, which turns out to be something else. It yeah. could have yep. been some fantastical glamour thing yeah. that looks super impressive. And then when you come down to it, it's just a couple scraps. Well, I mean, the reality is, look, if, if, if they somehow come out with like real like an incredible wow evidence from Roswell that it really it really was something anomalous. I'll be as happy as anyone else. I don't want to oh, be yeah. about this. I mean, like I always want to be wrong, you know. So yeah, that would be phenomenal. Be I would be the biggest cheerleader for that. I would. Too. Yeah. I don't necessarily. I don't actually think that's what it is necessarily anomalous. No, I don't either. either but yeah, yeah. But I just had to be like, no, don't you say that flimsy things yeah. can't exist in space. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I have been well, right. scarred no, by I, seeing the lunar lander I, as a child at the Air and Space Museum. I told you because I was see horrified, the damn thing. and both of us were horrified. I was yeah. like, oh, hell no, I wouldn't get in there. It's a good thing I wasn't Neil. Yeah. Well, because I'm like, yeah, a kid you came in that thing. You're braver than yeah. I thought. <laughs> I, I was just Respect. Like, exactly. I was like, people got in that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, and because when you're a kid and, you know, you've grown up seeing, you know, the space shuttle <laughs> as mm-hmm. your yeah. conception of spaceship. Yeah. Is solid. NASA a solid was a lot thing. more sturdy in the nineties than it was. Yeah, even the space shuttle looks like you know an eighty-six Oldsmobile at this point. You know, it's, yeah. It's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is true. It does. It really. We does. won't discuss Jeff Bezos's. We just won't. Oh boy, we're yeah, not going to talk about that. The, the, you would see a side of me that you would be very unsavory. Not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big guy, billionaire guy. That's <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, neither are we. <laughs> neither are we. Um, but yeah, it, it, mm, the the NASA, the the space shuttle, I and and the the lunar lander. That was, yeah. I was just as horrified as you. And you know, when you looked at me and went, "Mom," I went, "I know, I wouldn't get in that thing." I. <laughs> I and, and then, and she she really was. Is it really? Did it? Re- is it really? And I went, yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, we had yeah. a crappy TV, but that's basically what it looked like on TV. It looked yeah. better from a distance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, I was quite that scandalized that we had sent perfectly good people up onto the moon with that. I'm like, this was the peak of technology. Well, I'll tell you why. The reason why we would do that is because we didn't actually send people there. Oh. It's like, <laughs> no way they'd send them in that rickety old jalopy. You, know? <laughs> you almost proven my we did go to the moon. <laughs> oh man! Oh yeah, that, that's, that's, that's a also good one too. It's, it's like how if we found out we didn't go to the moon, I would also love that too. I would think that was the. I would thing. crack <laughs> up. I, I would, would like, honestly laugh hysterically, oh, and I would have to learn how to say "psych" in Russian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, but man, the Russians though they they sent some cosmonauts out that never came back, and yeah, yeah, that's they did really, they were, really too. Yeah. yeah, they were hardcore about that. I yeah. was mm, no, no, no. Yeah, they were intense. Yeah, they weren't kidding. Yeah. Also, they have right. some really weird UFO things that happen over there in the Russia. Yes, they do. Really, really strange. Yeah. So I'm doing research on a far too big topic because I do these things. And I've been reading about the these sightings and, and crashes and weird stuff in Russia. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, there's a case of an anomalous light. And it happens in the Ural Mountains. Lots of weird crap happens in the Ural Mountains. I, it, I'm never going there. Uh, <laughs> it's just not... It seems like a bad place. Um, they were mountain climbers, and they were... they were. I'm not talking about the Dial... Uh, the Dialat... Dialat... Dialat Pass. No, this yeah. is different, guys. This was recent. This was in the, like, I think the 90s, or almost 2000s. And they went up this this mountain they've climbed before, right? They go just below the summit. They set up their camp. They're going to summit the next day, right? And it's cold and it's snowing because it's the Urals in Russia. And people climb in that terrible condition all the time because they're Russian. I don't know. But there's 12 guys. They're in one tent. They go to sleep. Fine. One guy wakes up. And in the middle of the tent, hovering, is this somewhat amorphous ball of light. Yes. And it's hovering. And he looks at it, and he watches it, and it darts over to the man across from him, directly across there in a circle. And it just dives into his, his sleeping bag, and then the man starts thrashing and screaming, bloody murder, and then it pops out, and the guy dies right in front of oh, the oh first guy who was weak. And it Whoa. goes from man to man. And it's the wounds on the ones that, that survive, like they're burned to the bone, and it looks actually like something took bites out of them. So I'm reading this, and I'm like, I've got to read this from another source because this is, I don't trust this. This, this sounds like some, you know, weekly world news stuff. I yeah. But no, there, there's like three or four sources on it. And I'm just like, okay, what, never go to Russia. Do you know what the <laughs> name of that case is or like the name of the location was? I can send it to you. Do, I'll, would I'll, you mind I'll look it up in the book. I didn't bring the book in here with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're digging through. At your leisure, please send it to me because I'm now But it's I'm a creepy. It is creepifying and, and horrible. And, you know... The whole idea of these floating lights and, and UFOs being generally harmless, I generally agree with that. But then, and then they I read eat something people. like that. And then they yeah. eat people. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then suddenly I'm like, well, maybe not. Well, now I have to rethink the whole light thing. <laughs> Which is, see, she is the one who's going to run towards the shimmering portal one of these days. Yeah. Like, she's going to yeah. see something wonky and spooky and weird and be like, I'm going to go touch it. I, I run look, away. I would. I, would mm, <laughs> I I don't know how I would react. I have yet to be fully confronted with that type of thing. But I I would I want to think I'll run into a portal. 
there's two kinds of people in this world: the people who run from portals, the people who run into them. Exactly. Right? You know, like I'd like to think I'm a run into portal guy, but who knows? You know. That's well, and maybe I'll things, throw a you know. rock in and see what happens to the rock. <laughs> that's but smart. That's good thinking. I'm not going in the portal. Like yeah. I just had three weeks ago. Now three weeks ago would be the UFOs. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Three weeks ago, my boyfriend's out of town because, of course, he is. Because, of course, I'm alone in the house. And I'm on my back porch smoking a cig. And I glance up. And Venus is not where Venus is supposed to be. Whoa. And I register, oh, that's not Venus. Just in time for this bright white light about the size of a pencil eraser in the sky... Like the end of like a Ticonderoga pencil eraser, not like a, one of the big blocky ones. Right. Just in time for it to drift to the left diagonally, dim and go out. Whoa, that's awesome. At which point I sighed heavily and went, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. I was just that's like, my kid. why? <laughs> Like, I'm just trying to have a cigarette, man. Like, I think I actually said, I'm just trying to have a cigarette, man. And then a star, un what I thought was a star underneath where that star disappeared, disappeared too. And I went, screw this, I'm going inside with my dog. So <laughs> I just it, 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 went back in the house. It was pretty, un it was pretty unnerving to you then. Uh, unnerving is the, at this point... What was unnerving was when I tried to let my dog out to pee half an hour later and he refused to go anywhere near the front really? door. And that's uncommon for the... I mean, that's... Yeah, that's uncommon? very weird. He gets a treat whenever right. he pees. So he's always right. like, yeah, we're going to go outside. He wouldn't get off of the stairs that lead down. Like, I live in like a very small apartment. Um, so the stairs to upstairs basically terminate three feet from my front door. He wouldn't come down the last six steps. Whoa, that's we really weird. Yeah, so yeah. my stupid self opens the door to go see what's happening, and it is dead silent. This was still cricket season, so we had been having tons of crickets singing. Um, It's dead silent. There is no wind. It feels wrong out there. <laughs> really? So I go, okay, and I go back in the house. And we, I look at the dog and I say, all right, we're going to just stay inside for a little bit, buddy. <laughs> and we did. I checked every half hour and after about, oh, let's see, two half hour checks. So about an hour and a half after I saw the UFOs outside finally felt normal. Really? Yeah. And sounded normal. And there were crickets and cars and traffic. And if, and if I'm not mistaken, Morgana, uh, you and Barbara, you too. I mean, you guys have had quite a few experiences, mm -hmm. right? I mean, yeah. And you have yeah. seen low level lights in, in like the tree line as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. you know what? You know I'll tell you what, that to me is like, I, I want to see that so bad. Like, almost more than something in the sky. Those tree line, like low level lights. Yeah. That <laughs> has to be so shocking. It is. Yeah. It it really is. Um, they mostly I suspect live if, at mom's if you hung out now. with us, you'd see something. <laughs> okay, mom, then I'm coming. <laughs> I'll be there. I'm serious. Don't and invite if, me and unless if you that didn't it. work, that didn't work. We could always call up Chad and uh, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> you'd see something with them. 
Man, yeah, those guys are just magnetic to this stuff. Yeah. 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 And it it's a it's a weird feeling. Um I haven't had any of them come too close. I've been watching from inside the house, mm-hmm. which is kind of cheating. Right. Yeah. It's kind of cheating. I finally talked her into doing that instead of trying to go <laughs> outside. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we, I had a couple of them that were within a couple feet of the window. What? Just blink on. Yeah. Red. Like blink at your on. house? In, yep, in, yep. in your yard? Yeah. yeah out th- in my yard. They pop up in her backyard all the time. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, man. I'm so jealous. It, it's, <laughs> it's weird. It's yeah. just weird. And, you know, um, Fox is kind of, he just doesn't look out the windows. Yeah. <laughs> he just oh, he's like, yeah. I'm not looking. And Zach hardly ever sees anything. So he's safe. You know, yeah. so it's, it's me and a couple of the cats watching. And now is, I've got seen the cats watching. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, One of the cats always hangs out with me. Now, when these Morgana did. was little, I had a cat that when Morgana was staying with us, if there were lights outside, which there almost always were in that house, the yeah, falling down the hill house. Yeah, it was on messed up land. And uh, if there were lights out there, the cat would sit in the window all night and growl at them. This cat so that hated me. Yeah, she didn't, Anytime, she didn't even like Morgana. This cat did not like me because I was an excitable child. And I loved all kitties. And this kitty yeah. did not want to be chased, petted, touched, or have bonnets tried to be put on its head or any of the things that excitable small children want to do to a cat, which is perfectly legit. But she would sleep on my bed every night that I was staying there just to make sure I think the lights wouldn't get me. Aww. That was her. Which was very that was her sweet. thing. She she did that. Yeah, cats are the absolute best. I have two. Oh, I'm a father yeah. of two lovely cats. Oh, I have yeah. one right now. Oh, they're they're the best. Kitties are yeah. the best. They really are. Hey, I'm sorry. Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. Because I, I there's a question I love to ask people who have had experiences, especially like where they live. Do you think that the phenomenon? Like let's say you let's say you moved out of that house, Barbara, and I moved in. Do you think I'd see the lights? Like, do you think it's the combination of place and a person, or just place, just person? It can be either. Right. Um, when we first moved into this house, we didn't see lights immediately, but a couple of people other than me would see them just fractionally and then when morgana moved back in that's when they really started that's when the red red fireflies started yeah and that that's when yeah yeah because that's what they that's what the light started out as at that house when i was 15 um as they started as what looked like fireflies but were red And not like kind of, oh, well, you saw a firefly out of the corner of your eye, like how sometimes if you see a firefly really quickly, it'll look bluish. Yeah. No. These were red. No, it was bright red. You would never, yeah, we have fireflies in Nebraska like crazy in the summer, and you could never mistake that. I mean, it's a neon green color. Neon green, (laughs) yeah. Like maybe blue out of the corner of your eye, like you said, but like you could not mistake that for red once you're colorblind. No. Yeah. Um, Yeah, And then. 
And it would be, you would be watching fireflies or you would just be outside for whatever reason at dusk or at night. And you could watch them twinkle like fireflies. There'd be regular fireflies, regular fireflies, and then one red one. Wow. And then another one about See, I'm, I'm, six I'm, feet you know, to it, the left. It, it's interesting because like I feel like, you know, a few years ago, balls of light and like little light phenomena like that. I'm like, I mean, it's cool, but it's not that cool. Now, to me, I feel like, and this is an idea I'll probably change my mind about in a year, but like, I feel like it's the most common thing with all of these paranormal, like, yes, mm-hmm. you know, like with UFOs, you see balls of light. With Bigfoot, you see balls of light. Cryptids, balls of light. Apparitions, it, balls of light. Haunting. Yep. You know, it, yep. it's, is it the phenomenon in the Rost form? You know, like, that's it, what I know, think of it. I think that's its native form. That has actually been an idea we've been bouncing between the two of us for a while. For all I know, I likely heard that on your show. Could be. I'm not saying, yeah, like, it's definitely not like an original, like my original. Oh, no, we're not trying to claim it. Like, if you come up with it, it's your idea too. I'm just saying, like, it's something I'm like, it's an idea I'm excited about. Yeah, I think. And I think a lot more people are seeing them than were before. Um, and it's a lot of people who it's the first time they have an experience. Right. It, it'll start with the little lights. Yeah. And I've just heard so many stories. And, and back when we first started seeing them here in Athens 25 years ago, we thought it was just a thing that was just happening at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, a little later we found out from people who were native to here that, oh, yeah, those lights, they, eh. the lights in the woods, are you talking about the lights in the woods? Yeah, the lights in the woods. Those things are, they're always been here. Yeah. And but, there's like one mention of it in the 1850s from a family named Coons who settled here from Pennsylvania. They had the biggest. A library outside of Ohio University and they had 30 books so these were educated people <laughs> and what ended up happening is is they saw a blue light in the forest near their house where they had settled and they took it to be the ghost of their daughter who had just recently died but that's that's in a letter that one of them wrote to the other and then later on the husband got involved in spiritualism and they built a whole house called the spirit house and they they had seances and all kinds of wacky stuff happened including lights you know in, 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 in the house like, there's a great example of how like how interesting is the phenomenon the way it affects people well this guy sees blue lights and they start as like a spiritualist thing you know? yeah yeah. Like, yeah that that and that is see that to me is where the meat of what what we can find out is how it affects people and like that clearly yeah. had a huge impact on this individual. Oh so. yeah. He huh. he was a fairly famous person in the spiritualism community at that time. And if I you mean, think about spiritualism as a as a new religion which it was, mm-hmm. well that's a big thing. Yes. Now we have podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, you see and, something and you start a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you find all the other people who have seen that thing and you go, oh, there's yeah. way more of us. Yeah. Uh, you're still it. talking to nothingness in a way, though. No. Nope. Yeah. Like you're projecting your voice into a void. 
and mm-hmm. waiting for responses to come through, except in email instead of by Ouija board. Yeah, well, there, there's <laughs> there's power in putting ideas out there, you know. Like even like if it affects one person. Yeah. Fun. I mean, like you know, like I don't know. I I, I get affected by because I have not you know contributed much material to this um this area or you know to the phenomena whatever. But like I am a voracious consumer of it and it has affected me greatly yeah you yeah. know very positive way i will say you know like it, it's a fun lens to look through life with you know like and then i don't let it like affect my you know i still like do my job and pay my tax and do all those things and, like but like you know it is fun to see the world through these paranormal eyes and yeah. like kind of look at things like, a little squinted and a little skew you know like yeah i'm very grateful for for being into this stuff to be honest because it, it is really like I talk about this with people, and I don't know if people really un- like understand what I'm trying to say. But like, I feel like, wow, what a privilege it is to be able to, to get to think about this, spend so much time researching it. Because not everyone can. Some people yeah. have four jobs, having kids. Yeah, you know they're on, you know, can't afford their mortgage, and they don't have time to read UFO books like I do. Like, this is such a privileged spot to be in to get to spend yeah. so much time involved in this stuff. And I don't. I think we should cherish it. You know, like I, I feel like this is such a really important stuff to talk about. And like, if you're able to like gain all this knowledge of that, wow, you've lived a privileged life, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It is I will true. Say um, that I, I started getting interested in the phenomena because I had it happen to me. And mm-hmm. then I was handed John Keel. Right. Um, and but I I agree with you. I think I think what the paranormal gives us is it gives us a sense of wonder about mm-hmm. the world that humans mm. need. Yeah. It's good to be curious, I think. It's good to be curious. It's good to have a puzzle that there is no answer to. It's good to stretch your brain it's good to remember that we don't know what what all the fuck is happening in the world i'm sorry i just read a bunch of Taoism for class (laughs) so there's an element i'm i'm gonna try really hard to not be like you know nothing non-action just yeah (laughs) the way is completely unknowable and has been forever and you're never gonna understand how the world came into be and that's the beauty of it It but like that is. is the beauty of it yeah it is. I, I agree. It, it mythology, folklore, all that stuff. To me, there's a kernel of truth yeah. to all of it, and that mm-hmm. kernel is so like it's enough for me. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. and yeah. So, when we need it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I think, I think so we too. do. I think so too. I think we do. So, what are your favorite authors besides Keel and Valet there that you've oh. mentioned? Man, I mean, I I think of I love Philip K. Dick, and to me, like he, oh yeah, to me he's a high strange author. He just put it into a narrative form, but a lot of this was being inspired by what was happening to him in real life. Mm-hmm. So to me, I lump him in with no problem into like you know, that right type of category. Even though people say, well, he wrote you know novels, kind of, <laughs> you know, like it, a lot like, of it know? was based on his. I consider him like a, a visionary or a seer. Yes, I totally, I totally agree. I, I, I think he is so like, and like a lot of people read their books, like, yeah, it, it's a little out there. I'm like, I get it. You know, surrealism isn't for everyone, but for me, it is, and it really resonates with me. So, I love Philip K. Dick. I, I um, 
in terms of other high strange authors, I mean, honestly, I love Josh Cutchin. Oh, yeah. I think he's kind of like, to me, the most exciting. I mean, he's one of those guys, that even, you know, non-biased. He is a definitely a, a good friend of mine. But, like, I get, when I hear Josh is writing a book, I'm like, oh, boy. You I know, know like, right? You know, yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be something great. And it's going to be, he is going to, he's going to learn me about something. You know, like, it's always, yeah. um, like, you know, he got me, once I read his first three books, I, like, deep dove into you know fairy faith and celtic you know irish fairy even like and i'm norwegian by heritage or whatever so i look started looking into a lot of norwegian fairy stuff and, like, and there's you know, all kinds of tons. trolls man you don't mess with those don't and, mess and with they, them. and they still you know like i was lucky enough to go to norway for a few weeks and it is no joke there like mm -hmm. still, i mean to, in modern days they take it so seriously and it's it's even like in the religions that they do have in Norway, they've worked in a lot of the like their like you know fairy faith and like belief in gnomes and that kind of stuff into their modern religions to make it more palpable for people. Because yeah, you don't have any fairies in it. We're not interested. So <laughs> yeah. it's actually uh, that's that's it. boring. Boring. <laughs> so, but I mean, like the you know those those books were very influential on me. And just it's like oh you know is it. Was a, new way to look at this stuff and think about it historically and think about it, you know, just a new context to put this stuff into. And, and that was just, I mean, like, you know, reading, reading and hearing about Kutchin set me on like a five-year rabbit hole of wonderful yeah. research, you know? So oh, yeah. He, he would put it up there. I would also say like, you know, even though I'm talking about people who I'm lucky enough to be friends with, but Greg Bishop was reading his UFO mystic back in the day and even just Project Beta and, you know. Um, yeah language his books to me like i hang on every one of his words he's one of those people who in for for how i like to look at this um phenomenon he is just he's writing like a philosopher writes yeah it's yeah not, he's not like presenting cases and talking about like the fine details of cases he's talking about interpretation because he's mm -hmm. an art history major and so yeah. he's interpreting this stuff like an art history major would so he's to me a completely unique voice in the stuff. And he's a wonderful writer to boot. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. I put Greg there. Um, gosh, what else have I read? Uh, Patrick Harper's book. Uh, oh yeah. You got to read that favorites. one. Yeah. Uh, Demonic reality is so good. I absolutely love that book and I haven't read any of his other work, but um, that book is just so good. And I actually started reading. Um, I'm halfway through uh Paul Devereaux's book, Earth Lights. Oh, oh, that's such a good book. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. And I can't believe it's a book that's not talked about more. I, I started watching some of his lectures. I'm like, oh, this guy is really, really interesting. And like he's he's deep and he's, he's deep. He is, but he, but he's not deep in the sense that you have to struggle to understand what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, he's he's talking about deep subjects, but without pretension, in my opinion. Yeah. And like he leaves yeah. all that kind of, you know, I'm an academic junk out of there, which that's fine to do too. But like, you know, Paul Devereaux is amazing. So I'm like, oh, I feel like a, here's a new guy I just discovered. In, uh, well, yeah, he's an academic, but he also, yeah, he goes in the field yeah, and, and, I, and I, experiments I, with these things. Totally, hey, I'm totally. going to go to this ancient circle and I'm going to spend the night there and maybe I'll yep. drop some acid and we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's... I think there's a lot to be said for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I have no problem with it at Neither all. Neither do I. Neither do I. 
Um, I think uh, I love you know like Rosemary Allen Guiley, who's not with us. Oh anymore. yeah. I think she it, she is a very underrated, underappreciated um, voice in this. I mean, she wrote she was a you know so prolific, and she wrote a book about the gin that I absolutely loved and yes, terrified by. But I, th- I thought she was so great. Yeah, um, I love that book about the gin. Yeah, it's wonderful. And gosh, we just I just found out that Linda Godfrey passed away and she I was did. awesome. Yeah. And that's really sad because it I is. really, really liked her yeah. her dogman uh yep. lycanthropy books, all of that. Me too. Me too. Me too. Yeah. So she, you know, like and you know, and she was kind of, you know, you know, there wasn't many women writing about cryptozoology. <laughs> you know, no. she's like really like I'm probably like, you know, forgetting people, but she's kind of one of like would have to be considered a pioneer from the female perspective, right? Like I think so. I think, I think so, so too. I can't, you know, like nothing's coming to mind, unfortunately. There's but, um, uh there's a woman who wrote a Bigfoot book back in the late seventies, early eighties. Hmm. She wrote it with a another another person, but I can't remember her name. I'll have to put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, because it's not in this. This isn't my space. This is my husband's. So it's musical mm-hmm. instruments, not books. So I can't just you know reach <laughs> yeah. over there and grab the books. That's oh, because I, I, your I, books have quietly taken over two thirds of the rest of the house. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. I'm not I, judging. I, my house is the same. When I moved like a year and a half ago, I, I got rid of a lot of books. I kept all the important ones to me that I think I'll read again, but there was so many of them. Like, I'm never looking at this again. It felt good. Um, two more authors I would love to mention. Colin Wilson. Oh, yes. I love Colin Wilson. And he actually wrote, even though he wasn't huge into UFOs, he was pushed by his publisher to write a book about UFOs called Alien Dawn. And I actually think it's one of the best books to give to somebody who's new to the topic. It's nothing revelatory in it, but like I love the way Colin Wilson writes and his. Oh, he's a great writer. Respect. Oh, so great. Um, and I love the the book he wrote, The Occult and The Outsider. Like I think he's yeah, he's huge. Yeah. Um, I love him. And kind of an, um, one more one more I would love to mention is Christopher O'Brien. Oh yeah, I've got you to know, read his books. You, they are really good because he writes about the San. His first two books are about the San Luis Valley. Um, yeah. Southern Colorado into the Four Corners region, and this place is truly one of the hot spots of the world. And sorry, my my, we, my eyes lit up because that is also one of the cattle mutilation spots. Yep, yes. he writes a lot about the yep. mutilations. Yep. He He's friends with book. Dave. Yeah. Ah. Which I have to say, just to comment, that episode was one of the great podcast episodes of the year. I love. <laughs> Mr. Perkins, I think. He oh, he's is great. So, so wonderful. And I don't hear him interviewed enough. We want him back. You should have so... him. Back. Oh my gosh, I think he's great. And all that, the way he talks about the, you know, the idea of Gaia and his understanding and synthesizing of Lovelock is yeah. really impressive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, just today I realized that there, that there's this weird thread through weird phenomena. And I, I might have to do, we might have to do an episode about it. But what is it with stories that weird things happen with farm kids that are sent out to watch the sheep, bring in the cows, count the cows, bring in the horses? 
Yep. Because, you know, I mean, three cases off the top of my head are um, witness to another world. Yep. I was just going to say that. <laughs> Juan, Juan was yep. sent by his dad to go bring in the horses. And then there's a UFO that has his gra- dead grandfather in it. And he ties his horse to the UFO ladder and goes inside and his horse dies and he never brings the horses in. There's this unnatural fog. All these things happen. Okay. So there's that one kid. And then in Trinity, the best kept secret, two kids are sent out to count the cows on a ranch. They go and then they witness a crash of a UFO with two beings in it that scream like terrified rabbits and they're traumatized and they want to help, but they can't. So that those kids, there you go. Yep. Um, the kids in Fatima were shepherds. Yep. They were sent out to watch the flocks. And then this weird light that's like a ball comes floating around and sits in a tree. And then an angel starts talking to him. Yep. Well. And then today I was reading about Joan of Arc because, you know, you wake up sometimes and you have to read about Joan of Arc. It just yeah. happens. <laughs> and her first time hearing her voices, she was sent to watch the family's sheep with the other village girls. And she ran a race with the other girls and she won the race, but she was really tired and she sat down under a tree and she saw a light and then a voice started talking. What is it with the... And then you think about the mutilations. What is usually mutilated? Shit, mom, go back to the New Testament. Well, yeah. Shepherds watch their flocks by night. Where do the angels come? Yeah. The angels so nicely say, fear not. Yeah, fear not. (laughs) (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) Why do you have so many eyes? Yeah. (laughs) Easy for you to say. You tell us to say fear not, but why are your eyes so many? (laughs) Could you come in a more palatable way, please? (laughs) You know, I would also add to that because it's one of my favorite. uh, I I love Midwest cases just because I'm from the Midwest. Oh, yeah. The proximity of it being close to me excites me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But in Delphos, Kansas, in the 70s, there was an incredible, incredible case where this craft came down. Like was it was kind of like a tea kettle t- type thing. It was spitting sp- right. out light everywhere. But that was a farm boy who saw that. He yeah, walked outside yeah. his farm to like g- take the dog to do something. Saw that and like that thing. It, w- it was really considered some of the best trace evidence because it left a circle. That's an imprint right. That mushrooms grew around, and the whole time the circle was there, they could pour water on it, and the water would bounce off, and it was completely irradiated. Like in like oh. I know Ted Phillips came out there, valet came out there, and like that's a case they still talk about because they had so much really good hard physical evidence. But that another farm boy, you know. So yeah, the, if the, if you're going on the thread right there, yeah, yourself on Delphos because it, it's a great case. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it, it, I just happen to you know have those cases in my head, and then you know. Freaking Joan of Arc pops up, and I'm like, "Yep, what is it with the poor kids?" (laughs) I mean, if you think of it from a symbolic perspective, it's an innocent going out to protect other innocents from the outside world and bring them back into the fold. True, very interesting. 
Yeah. I like that deconstruction. That's good. Well, and it changes all of their lives. Yeah. Yes. If you, I mean, Joan really, I mean, she really shouldn't have been like on a horse in armor with a flag and a sword. It made no sense back then. Yeah, that that shouldn't have happened. Um, The three children in Fatima, two of them died young and the other one became a nun. Mm -hmm. Um, There, of course, Juan with the horses, if you see Witness to Another World, he became a recluse and only hung out with animals and his mom because that's the only people he, he was comfortable with. Yep. Until, you know, his his mom's people he he went to them and they basically said oh yeah you know you're a shaman but you didn't get all the way initiated because you didn't have any of us there so let's yeah. let's initiate so he gets initiated yep. and then you know the two the two boys from trinity they didn't seem to be as affected outwardly but they were still affected inwardly yeah. in that they their empathy was really pulled strongly yep. and they really wanted to help those little beings but they couldn't yeah, yeah they, they were crying weren't they yeah yeah, yeah. the younger one was especially upset yeah. the older one had sense enough to know now nah, we can't just go over there and dig into the fire and right. pull it we it's it's on fire we can't you know but the, that, the that, little that, one that book and i really actually love the um the you know kind of um how you and professor wham uh talked about that book that was a great episode um because i i actually feel like i'm one of the few people who enjoyed the book <laughs> you know I, like I, a lot I, of my I friends in the field field before it even came out kind of dismissed the book i guess because paula harris is involved yeah i, I actually know Paula. she's very nice <laughs> she's a very nice person she seems like a nice person and she so asks nice. really good questions she, so. does. she does and she is definitely like backed some cases that I don't agree with, but I mean, what's, you know, like we don't always have to agree on everything, but I think that kind of like pushed people away from really taking that book seriously, which I think is a shame because while yeah. it's not like, it's not like vintage Jacques Vallée where he's like kind of blowing your mind with things. It's a really good case in the historical perspective on that book. Yes. Made me think about like how we, you know, built the bomb and what, how we dropped it and what a what a huge you know mistake it was to do it and then, you know i mean like it really is like it's a kind of a pressing book for this time where you know america is now going to make more nukes and you know nuclear war is now something that's being talked about in the news again for the first time in a few decades like yeah this book is kind of timely and i i hope people read it not for almost the ufo material but just for a historical perspective because yeah. It is really yeah. well done, in my opinion. So, and and it's and it's important what he says in it about the nuclear weapon, yeah, and the building of it and the great secret of it. Yep, um, is is very important, and yeah. I do think that he's basically saying that we can't find the UFO material that the government has because it's not anywhere that we can get to it. Yep. And he all but says it's in the nuclear, yep. in the Atomic Energy Commission, yep. which, which we is don't, we, we can't so above that. top secret that presidents can't get it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and I was like, that makes so 
much sense. So many pieces fall together. What if it is a reaction to us going, hey, let's just melt reality in this one spot and see what happens. Yeah, Because I I really feel like that's what they did. They didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, you know, they change primordial matter in like Twin Peaks episode eight. I know they talked about that in the show. Yeah. Maybe I don't want to offer anyone, but like there is an entire episode that is exactly that. <laughs> you know, yeah. Instead of a UFO, it's like this demonic entity that haunted Twin Peaks. But like it's the same darn thing. It's very reasonable. Yeah. So this this notion of like us like setting up an uh you know a nuclear bomb and splitting the atom like this is kind of like a new idea that's out there right now that I'm kind of excited about looking more into, you know, like after I read Trinity, I was like, Oh, I want to read more about this, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, to me, it was just kind of like a little like intro, a little appetizer into this whole world. I'm I'm hoping more people follow up on it. This Yeah. I hope so too, because that, and that's part of why Wham and I both really wanted to do that episode to get Mm -hmm. people to look at it from a different perspective. In the book that she talks about, about the people who survived Hiroshima and Nagasaki is fantastic. I've only gotten about halfway through because then I started doing a bunch of research and it's hard to read in big chunks. You gotta, you gotta, you can't, but it's so beautifully written with their stories and their personalities come out in the stories that you keep wanting to read it. It's very, it's a, it's probably the weirdest book I've ever read in that way where I'm, oh. you know, part of me is going, Oh God, I can't keep reading this. And yeah. then it's like, well, but what's going to happen with, uh, you know, this guy and, and, and does he find his wife? Oh, he found his wife. It was terrible. Right. Well, I, and then you want to read it again. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, I, I remember writing that title down in another title of the book she mentioned. Um, I'm like, ooh, these look interesting. I'm looking into these books. The other one was about, I can't remember what the other one was called or even what it was about. Off the look was, of my little. Notebook. Was it the Pueblo Uprising? Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what. Yeah. It's a really yeah. good. That's a really Is good that, book. Yeah. That sounds so interesting. Yeah, it's a the whole the the Pueblo Uprising is another one of those things that you know, is historically significant, but most people don't really know about it. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> At all. Yeah. I'm really embarrassing to say, you know, the public education system is not great. <laughs> no, no, it is not. Particularly it is not about it's, history it's, in this country. It's not the teacher's fault. It's, no. You know, it all. It's, uh... There is, there are uh, textbook uh, manufacturers down yep. in Texas. It's their fault. Oh, it truly is though. It's like it's like when you think about all the mound sites and like, I mean, gosh, how did I not know about the Serpent Mounds until like eight years ago, or how did I yeah. not know about the Cahokia Mounds or you know Chaco Canyon? Like these places are like as incredible as Giza. Yeah, but yeah. because it, you know they weren't made by Europeans, they just um, they just leave it out of the books, which is which upsets. I know. Me, you know? Like, I know. It's upsetting. I know. It and it's wrong, it's like even, and it's ethnocentric, and it is completely it's racist. Is. It's, yeah, it gives me a stomachache. It, it really is. It, <laughs> no, it, 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 it. Yeah, you're right. It, it's, it's upsetting to the point of a stomachache. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and the the younger kid is always you know taking stuff to school, and then in history class pipes up with you know well, but what about? Yeah, you know. 
that's that's <sighs> kind of racist, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good to the principal, Timmy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should. No. Fortunately, <laughs> he has a good te- a good teacher for government this year. Yes. Oh, last last year, year, last year was Mister Communism is evil, and everything's oh communism. Oh boy! <laughs> like, that, dude, that... you don't even you don't even know what the definition is. God, that's that's just. Oh, yeah, well, you know, I have a feeling we're pretty politically aligned here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's sounding I don't like love it. that. It's, it's sounding like it. <laughs> it sounded like it. That up gives me a stomachache as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I may have handed him my copy of the Communist Manifesto after yeah. hearing about that yeah. and said, for the love of God, at least you need to know at least what it actually is. Yeah. So you can argue yeah, with he, your teacher more effectively. Exactly, because it's it's perceived by a great number percentage of Americans as this book about promoting evil authoritarianism, which is, is the absolute opposite. Yeah, yeah. So, not yeah. that Stalin wasn't an evil authoritarian, because he totally he was. Totally, he he but totally was, but this was not yeah. the originating theory. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. And Mao wasn't even all that bad at the beginning. He meant okay. well at the beginning. He did sort of mean well at the beginning, sort of, yes. Yep. He wasn't as good as, as Sun Yat-sen. I wanted Sun Yat-sen to win, but he didn't. <laughs> I, 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 I really wanted him to win. And I was really excited when I you know, went to San Francisco and I found a little square in Chinatown with a statue to Sun Yat-sen. I was like, <gasps> oh! So I went and bought flowers and put them at his feet and yeah. said thank you. And the little Chinese lady's doing, you know, <laughs> Tai Chi and whatnot, looking at me like, strange lady. You... <laughs> yeah, it's like, what's with that white lady? I love she San doing? Francisco Chinatown. It's my favorite Chinatown. Oh, it's great. It's, it's so great. great. When we went to San Francisco for our late honeymoon, uh, like, I don't know, five, ten years after we were married, Zach and I stayed at the, at the hotel that was, like, right across the street from the gate. Oh, yeah. So, it, yeah. Three it's o'clock great. in the morning, we wanted soup, we'd go. Yep. <laughs> it was great. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. Great eating city. Yes. Yes. Very much so. Very, York, very much so. New York Chinatown was also lovely. That is very wonderful as well. And I was proud of you for dragging your grandfather, who's afraid of everything, into all of the places to eat that were good. <laughs> well done, you. Well done, you. You took after me, and you just were like, Carl, no, we're going to go here. <laughs> it's my first time here. I want to go in here. Come on. Yep. Make you we're feel guilty. Good stuff. <laughs> it was good, too. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, my God. We've been talking for an hour and a half. I just looked and at we the never, time. I never asked you about what's weird in Nebraska. I, I So you know what? Um, you well, have to come back. Or you have to yeah. tell us right now real fast. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a lot. But uh, I, I would love to come back. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just kind of give like a little like I have been since uh, I, so I moved. Um, gosh, I, almost two years ago during the pandemic, I kind of realized, oh, my parents are getting older and. A lot of people were leaving LA at the time, and I, I lived in LA for twenty years. And my wife and I were like, "Oh, what if we bought a place in Omaha, 
so I can be close to my family and just, you know, see if I can do my career from here and travel out there for work when I have to, blah, blah, blah. And so, but since I've been here, I have just been obsessively researching Eastern Nebraska, especially like where I live. And there is so much weird stuff going on and it runs all the way down the Missouri river, like from the tippy top of Nebraska, all the way to the bottom, right along the Missouri river, there is everything and more. I mean, we have going back to the 1800s, Bigfoot sightings and quite yep. a few people like Bigfoot in Nebraska. How could that be? Well, I'm telling you, they have them in Great Britain. What the hell is he doing in there? They I'm, have them everywhere, right? Everywhere. Yeah. I mean, like, and, and currently, I'm I'm kind of like have one of my first cases, I guess, because I'm um, I've been going out with this bow hunter who had a very dramatic sighting, and he's had a couple other things happen that are very weird. But then I start looking into this specific area, and I'm finding out that all these hunters have seen Bigfoot and see blue lights, and right around the same region, there's lights going on the Missouri River. All the time. I mean, when I say all the time, not like you can just go out and see them on demand. Well, no, but I I know what you mean. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, black cat sightings going back to the, you know, before Nebraska was even the state. Yeah. So there is just tons. I mean, we have, that I know of personally, there's three flying winged humanoid cases in eastern Nebraska. And two of them are excellent. Two of them are Wonderful. All right, you got to so come good. back. Yeah, you're gonna come, come back, and you're gonna tell us about Nebraska. Like, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. this is yeah, great. I, I, have, I have a ton we're of We're gonna have you back stuff. when I'm on winter break. Uh, that would be fun. I would back. do that in a second. Oh, guys, this has been such a true honor. I'm having. I know. I it, it was so much fun, and it was great to meet you. It was oh, very exciting too. to meet you in Point Pleasant. Yeah, you. It was. I, I was really excited. I remember telling Josh, I'm like, is Barbara cool? You know, Barbara, cool. I just, I wanted to think I'm cool, you know. And, and you were nice to me when I went, went. You went inside the little silo thing to do my EVP, where I was trying to talk to Andrew Cold. You know, <laughs> you, know you, you didn't I, laugh at me. No, <laughs> of course not. There, there were too many people around. You know that, yeah. and and everybody. You know, some people wanted to move on. Some people, and I was yeah. like, yeah, you're not yeah, going to get anything. But no, no uh, I, that try. would be cool. That would be cool. That would be where I would try to do an EVP. Yeah, yeah. That was a lot of fun, though. I was, I was really thrilled to meet you there. And Morgana, I'm very thrilled to meet you. I'm, I'm just a big fan of both of you guys. So this is really <laughs> well, thank a true you. for me. Yeah, yeah. It I has mean, been you know, good is good. so <laughs> nice to meet you. And the oh, next yeah. time you're in Athens, I will take you to the best hot dog shop you've ever been to. I will absolutely. Well, we should. I mean, hey, look. I'm going to take you up on this, and you're going to, you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, she's actually here. I but. will be like, oh, my God, you're actually here. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, I would never I would never overstate my welcome, but like, it would be so fun to like spend a day with you guys, go do a little paranormaling, and then you know, break bread and drink some wine. Yeah, oh, yeah. Great we can we can take you up to the haunted lunatic asylum that, yes, you know, we're not supposed to call it haunted anymore because OU yeah. owns it. But <laughs> it's haunted. It's still haunted. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, driving you know, the falling down the hill house. Yeah, we can drive you to the site of the falling down the hill house. Ooh, the, hill, yes, the house please. isn't still there. It's its foundation is. Because it burned down. Yes, yes. So, yeah. And introduce you to some of our Athens family. Yeah, Ooh, the, weirdos. We'll, yeah we'll, we'll, the weirdos. Because we'll the weirdos have cool. a hang. I love yeah. the weirdos. 
That'd be great. They're my, they're my people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Like I said, people can smell the weird on you. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, if it. everybody's weird, you can't smell it because no, we all smell the same because we're no. all weird. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you.